Hey, fuckers, what up, what up, what up? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 54 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for taking a listen. This episode I am recording on August 23rd. It's like six something in the morning right now. And I'm uh, getting used to this uh, recording before work type of thing. But I say that just to mention, in case my voice sounds like different or tired or actually don't feel tired, but um, like I'm always stuffy and and um, I have allergies and like nose issues and, and stuff like that. And um, my wife tells me I'm, I'm nose blind. Um... So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. All right. So, in this episode, I speak about UFC 202 in HBO miniseries The Night of. Yes, again, because it's that good. The Netflix original series Stranger Things. I finished reading Stephen Pressfield's latest book, and I'm going to share something um interesting uh with uh with you guys from that. And what else? Uh, his latest book, uh, Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit, is the title of it. Um, joining my first writing community, I'm going to tell you guys about that. Well, technically second, but we'll get into that in a bit. And I share a book review getting tip that has been very slowly, but has been working for me. And uh, lastly, a thought on gun control. A lot of different types of things in this episode, right? Alright, so if you're into any of that stuff, that's what I'm going to be speaking about uh, mainly. And, of course, uh, sprinkled with a shitload of different tangents and stuff like that that happen to come about naturally. Alright, so, first off, UFC 202 was dope. If you guys are into MMA at all, if you guys are into UFC, uh, follow, like, any of the storylines or anything like that, it was was, uh, an epic night of fights. I personally enjoyed it more than UFC 200, which was uh, the card that, you know, was hyped like crazy with Brock Lesnar and shit like that. Um, well, not that, not the entire card, because that was a very, very stacked card um, with with uh, the undercard just being chock full of fights that could have been headliners themselves. So, I don't exactly mean that, but the last... I guess like the, the the main event fight definitely the co-main event fight definitely and the fight before that definitely like all three all the all three of the last fights of UFC 202 I like better than the last three fights of UFC 200. So starting off with uh, Cowboy Cerrone and Rick Story, which was a, a sick uh, like knockout combination. Um, by Cowboy Cerrone to end the fight. I love watching him fight. He's a very exciting fighter. A very, very in unmartial artist terms. He shows you what, as a fan, you want to see as a fighter. Like, he throws a lot of, like, punches and and kicks and, and just a lot of different uh, stylistic things, I guess you can say, you know. Um... And uh, he's just entertaining to watch. And he ended the fight with 
I think it was like a left hook followed by a right a straight right uh, left hook to the to the face right and then followed by a straight right to the stomach and then followed by another left hook to the face no a straight right to the stomach yeah then another left hook to the face and then a right kick to the face like just back to back like pop 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 and um uh won the fight like that and it was it was a like a sick way to end because it was like very precise um and and executed very well shout out to cowboy who was fighting at one 155 i want to say or was it 170 i don't remember the weight but he was talking about going back i think it's 170 um because he's fought in different like weight classes before this is the one that they say he has the the best um success in but he for some reason uh likes going down and then when he goes down you know he kind of looks like emaciated and and uh, takes a toll on his body and and uh doesn't do as well but for some reason he likes doing that shit but uh if he stays in this weight class it'll be uh seemingly much better uh for him and he's definitely one of the coolest guys in in yeah in the ufc in terms of every single like press conference that he's in and stuff like that there's no bullshit no no shit talking no back and forth like every opponent that i've ever seen him at like in a press conference like they're always like hugging and and fucking shaking hands and, and stuff like that and like they like him you know so that's just something to me then the next fight you have anthony rumble johnson and glover Teixeira. Where anthony rumble johnson oh spoiler alert by the way if you guys haven't seen UFC 202, um, Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh, knocked out Glover, and these were, these are two legit contenders for the belt, like, it wasn't like a, like a, uh, someone that's ranked one and someone that's ranked eight or something like that, it's the one and two ranked light heavyweights in the division, um, both, which are, known for first and foremost their knockout power so in this fight you knew there was going to be a knockout and it just so happened that anthony rumble johnson knocked out glover Teixeira within i believe 13 seconds and i haven't seen this but a co-worker of mine actually told me that there that if you watch it like in slow-mo you could see glover Teixeira's tooth fly out of his head which is sick i gotta see if i find that clip but um yeah it's just he's a powerful powerful dude man um anthony Rumble johnson is still one person that i say can uh in my opinion uh uh defeat john jones who by the way might be back might be his suspension supposedly might get lifted because they found out that the substance that he tested positive for was actually like cialis or some shit like that like something in cialis that that mimics a steroid i don't know some weird shit um but that's still that story is like still developing uh anyway he is you know john jones is like uh pound for pound like one of the greatest of all time or arguably the greatest of all time and anthony robert johnson is in his same division and he's one of the people that that i feel can um if he catches him knock him out uh anthony johnson has fought uh the current champion which uh uh took the belt after 
John Jones has gotten suspended and, you know, he's been on suspensions back and forth. And um, he, Anthony Marvel Johnson actually lost to Daniel Cormier, which is the current uh, lightweight heavyweight champion in the UFC. And Daniel Cormier has lost to John Jones. So uh, that's more of, in my opinion, uh, like a stylistic thing. Actually, the Daniel Cormier and, and um, Rumble fight, the first one, I, I haven't seen it. Um, I definitely have to look that up, but from like podcasts I listen to and stuff like that, he beat Rumble Johnson by by avoiding the shit out of his his the power in his hands and uh, uh, just grinding it out uh, wrestling, and pinning him up against the the fence and and just grinding him out like that. Uh, Daniel Cormier is a, a a legit Olympic wrestler, so. Um, which uh, Rumble Johnson called him out for for a rematch, and Rumble Johnson is another one. He's like super respectful. He's like, you know, I got nothing but respect for you, but let's do this again. And uh, that'll be that'll be cool to see. That'll be definitely cool to see. Um, aside from if John Jones comes back into the mix, then you know things change a little bit. But because uh, he has this this uh, intense rivalry with Daniel Cormier, and is the like legit champion of that division, he just got suspended a shitload of times and hasn't been able to to defend his belt or and was forced to vacate it, etc. Then, the main event of the evening: Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor was an epic rematch, a sick, bloody mess of a fight that lived up to all of its hype and was. Uh, just uh, a matchup between two warriors. Uh, in the first fight, uh, if you guys remember, uh, Conor McGregor dominated the first round, and then Nate Diaz uh, uh, hurt him, fucked him up in the second round, and then got him to the ground where it's a wrap. Anybody going to the ground with Nate Diaz, um, he's a, a legit black belt in... In jiu-jitsu, Connor's not. For those of you that don't know, just for a little bit of context, again, from from a non-martial artist, uh, from my understanding of of just being a fan of MMA, uh, jiu-jitsu is like the, the like upper echelon, top-notch. It's like the... The if you go against someone who is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you're a black belt in something else, you're probably gonna lose. It's like that martial art. Um, you know, once it goes like to the ground, it's a wrap. It's like those, you know, like the image or or the imagery uh, depicted in some movies or or uh, where you know you have the big, huge sumo wrestler and the the short, small, tiny, skinny guy or whatever, and the skinny guy wins what how he wins and um you could check out like ufc one with the um with the graces is like introduced this and or popularized it um how he wins is via jujitsu um but yeah that's how uh nate won the first one and choked him out and uh set set the stage for for this epic rematch this rematch won five rounds went to decision and it was a unanimous decision in in connor's favor i thought 
And again, I'm I'm ill-informed at how uh, the like the terminology of decisions. It's a unanimous decision, and I'm I came to learn that that just means you know that all judges scored it like three rounds to two or three rounds or four rounds to one or something like that. Um, it wasn't the fact that it was like a close fight. So I was thinking that it should have been a split decision because it was a close fight, but um, I guess all three judges scored it, you know, more rounds for Connor than for Nate. And that caused it to be a, a unanimous decision as opposed to a split. But looking back on it and again, listening to interviews about with fighters that know what they're talking about, and uh, people that break down uh, these fights, they uh, the judges definitely got it right in terms of of points. Connor was kicking the shit out of out of Nate like throughout um, throughout the entire fight. Uh, he was kicking Nate's front leg, which uh, Nate notoriously his style of fighting he you know leaves out there for you to kick. Uh, so much so that Connor br- uh, broke his foot and or ankle and is out until February 2017. Um, unless he gets cleared by an orthopedic, uh, uh, an orthopedist, orthodont, ortho, I don't know, one of those doctors that deal with that type of shit, unless he gets cleared by the, the earliest he could come back is October, uh, but most likely it's going to be February 2017, and, uh, that's how much he was kicking Nate, um, Connor also knocked, uh, Nate down twice in the first round, uh, which is definitely under the new rules, um judging rules it's uh definitely a 10-8 round to connor the second round he knocked him down again um so that was like a 10-9 round to connor then the third round in true uh diaz form uh diaz uh came back like a fucking zombie and that's how he's always been uh throughout his career um i think like 10 plus years in the in the ufc he started when he was like 21. He's like, I don't know, 30, 31 now. And um, the Diaz brothers, him and his brother Nick, are known for that. They just keep coming at you no matter what. Hence, probably why they're like both punch drunk. But uh, warriors nonetheless. And an interesting side note with uh, uh, Nate Diaz and, and Nick Diaz, actually. They, you know, although they're like black belt jujitsu um artists from i I think they have gracie jujitsu um black belts you know not like these black belts you could go buy in the fucking bodega and shit they're like legit black belts in jujitsu but they're they're like top-notch uh boxing skills too and they've been said to have like the one of the best but like boxing um level skills in in mma and they train with legit boxers. Um, uh, Nate Diaz for this camp was training with some some kid that's ranked like seventh in in the nation in boxing. Um, they started. They both started in boxing gyms and then found jujitsu after the fact. So that's like their shit boxing. Um, Andrew Ward, uh, I believe it was, uh, um, says that that Nate could hold his own in boxing. That you know he was a like a training partner of his, and, which is pretty cool. And anyway, uh, Nate took the third round, probably 10-9. Um, there was a flurry towards the end of the third round where, where it looked like Connor looked in the second round of the first fight, like when Nate started like fucking him up and got him to the ground. Uh, but Connor was like saved by the bell. Then the fourth round, 
probably went Connor's way as well. It was more even though. Like that one was the one that that could have gone either way. And then the fifth round prop most likely went to Nate because Nate had a takedown uh, in the fight, which accounts uh, for in that round rather, which counts for a lot of points. And um, again, Connor got uh, um, was like saved by the bell because it was like towards the tail end of the fifth round. So the max that it could really be is like two to three, two rounds to three in favor of Connor, which hence the unanimous decision. And uh, you could make an argument for a four, four to one round. But uh, aside from that, points wise, Nate Diaz, you know, kept kept coming at him. He was bloody as fuck. Um, but like Mike Rappaport has said, and everybody that that knows. Uh, either of the Diaz brothers, especially Nate. And uh, Brendan Schaub spoke to this actually recently on uh, the fighter and the kid. The Nate Diaz is, first off, he's the type that bleeds like a motherfucker. Like, if the wind is blowing, he'll like start bleeding. And second, he his style of fighting, uh, that like come at you like boxing style, like take, pu- take punishment type of fighting has caused so much scar tissue uh, to develop in, in his face that just from like getting punched once, like it opened that back up and that's why he's he bleeds so much and his his like the meme of him is pretty much like him with his arms up and uh just a bloody face like that's that's his that's his normal (laughs) you know um so you have that then you have the fact that that uh like nate said connor woods uh these are all the other things that people feel should have attributed should have i guess changed the outcome or should be factored into to to decisions um which to some degree i believe they are like in terms of uh who who keeps the pace of the fight uh who pushes the pace of the fight rather and stuff like that i think that's supposed to be factored in uh, aside from just like points um uh but they were both they both did that they both kept going at each other just at different uh parts of the fight and just needs more like a zombie with it and um uh connor did some running uh like nate was saying um and connor even said himself he was like oh it's a big boy i had to catch my breath you know i have to get like get away from 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 his his relentless you know like strikes and shit when he's coming at him which is true he fought smart you know in that sense um but the flip side of that is you know if you're running you shouldn't you shouldn't be be given the win or whatever um but yeah it was an epic night of ufc fights and uh for those of you that haven't seen it and can uh you should if you're into that type of thing i am all right so hbo miniseries actually let me just mention the night of um no not the night of i'm sorry uh stranger things because the night of i'm probably gonna spend a little bit more time on so Stranger Things is a Netflix original series, which was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my brother actually told me about it, and I checked it out. I had heard of it, um, but I wasn't. It wasn't something that that I was necessarily going to watch. Uh, really, that my brother told me more about it and um, sounded more interesting, and I decided to check it out. And I'm glad I did because I really enjoyed it. It is a Netflix original series. And the only thing that I want to mention about it, aside from the fact that it was really, really good, and uh, you guys should definitely check it out, is that 
there's because I've heard like different like YouTube reviews of it and and uh, just like comments uh, said about it, like that it's like a ripoff of the '80s and stuff like that. But there's a very 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 to me clear night and day difference and i guess i don't know how to articulate it very well but like it's literally two different things between uh being a ripoff and being an homage or like a nod you know like the series to me is is first off uh created by the duffer brothers who are in their early 30s who are 80s babies they grew up in the 80s they're into filmmaking obviously and um they wrote the screenplay and created the show right they are obviously we all are influenced in the errors that we grew up in and and by um things that we're into they were into all these 80s movies that they're they're some people say they like ripped off but to me <clears throat> There's, uh, again, a huge difference between tastefully giving a nod to the 80s, which is what I feel they did, um, um, paying tribute, if you will, to the 80s, and um, clearly being influenced by by the 80s and saying, you know what, we love this era so much, it was part of our development so much, and we are into, we want to bring that nostalgic feeling back to uh the now and they wrote uh this screenplay which which was great great writing in my opinion uh the cinematography was excellent they used you know current uh technologies to 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 bring this this film to life and but also make it have that feel of of like vintage 80s there there was actually a a digital i don't know what it's called a, a vignette or whatever that they put over the film to over over the the di- digital i don't know taping of it to make it seem have that like grainy film look of of the 80s uh, which is why it kind of like visually like cinematography wise or whatever you call it, it looked like the 80s it's because they did things like that with current technologies and and it was dope it was it was uh, a cool story uh, to follow, and I really enjoyed it. And it is again very different from like remakes of of classic movies and stuff like that, which take literally zero thought and are just taking like the script, substituting the actors, and redoing it in digital form, uh, type of thing, or or taking the exact same storyline and rewording it basically it's very different um than doing remakes when uh, something is done tastefully and as a a an homage and whatever that's my opinion on on the netflix original series stranger things so check that out on netflix all right next is the night of that i'm gonna speak about for a bit and again, all right, so the night of, here's, all right, I'm seven episodes in, so anybody who who uh, has not watched that deeply, uh, don't listen to, to the rest of this, because there might be some spoilers, uh, but I have a few 
points. I'm mainly going to speak about what what I think the show's about and and something cool that I've noticed, at least to me. And um, yeah, fast forward a bit if you guys don't hear any spoilers or anything. And what I feel the show is about is first and foremost the it's like social commentary on how fucked up the justice system can be um and that has been uh brought even though the show was in in thoughts or pre-production or 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 was being conceptualized back in 2013 or before 2013 because um james gandolfini was cast in john Turturro's role um then he died obviously in 2013 and rest in peace and um it was uh, the show was put on ice basically until uh John Turturro uh, came on board and the show's on now so um even though it's been it's been out for that that long run in the works it's uh again like social commentary on the justice system and i guess it came back to light maybe or it came back to life based on shows like uh, Make You a Murderer and the Serial Podcast and and the light being shown on to the system. This is just another uh, show showing how the system can be fucked up when it is. You know, um, not that it's completely and always fucked up. You know, the system gets it right more times than it gets it wrong, but it does get it wrong. And, um, I want to shout out definitely the actual innocence podcast. And, um, I think I've mentioned it before, but, uh, if I haven't, um, or even if I have, you know, check that out. It's called the actual innocence podcast. They, it's a podcast where they deal with stuff like this. Um, well, not like this cause the show isn't necessarily about this. It's just my opinion on it, but they deal with, with wrongful convictions and the show each episode is is dedicated to someone who's been exonerated and declared actually innocent that's the legal term uh, for it after spending some people two years some people seven years some people 18 years some people 22 years in prison for crimes that they did not commit and it's um first account uh podcast so you hear mainly the person that was locked up that did get wrong wrongfully confused um wrongfully uh convicted uh you hear them speaking on each episode of the podcast and it's like touching stories and it makes you sad it makes you mad it makes you happy that they got out it makes you mad that the system's fucked up it makes you sad that they went through the shit that they speak about going through and they do an excellent job now brooke um who's the the i guess creator and and uh the person that that narrates the show uh, he's been doing like a great job with that and it's a podcast i really enjoy and that's informative um and you have people from all walks of life uh you have white dudes black dudes white ladies uh, uh jewish guys spanish guys um it's 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 nuts um and that uh something that i learned on that episode and and verified on on the innocence uh project website and i'll link to all the stuff in the episode notes is that one of the most uh 
the leading cause of wrongful convictions is <clears throat> two things uh tunnel vision and police misconduct and in the night of uh detective box um definitely displays tunnel vision and that he he uh interviews nas as a suspect and then that's it I mean, he does have in Box's defense, you know, like a shitload of evidence, a mountain of evidence, like you said in episode seven, against him. So, you know, why, why look at anyone else? But that tunnel vision is like what gets people wrongfully convicted. You know, it's according to the Innocence Project, which is the the nationwide uh, network of attorneys and researchers and and people who work towards you know pro bono work towards exonerating people who are wrongfully convicted um so they are you know i say that to say that they are the people that can state this with with um any level of validity tunnel vision and police misconduct are the leading causes of wrongful convictions so that's something that's being displayed here um in the show and I remember in episode one, like something that I found weird was, um, or not weird, something that I feel could turn out to be like a nod to that fact is the fact that like John Turturro, when he's walking out of the precinct and there's like that B cop standing outside smoking a cigarette and he's like, he's like, what's that dude in for? No, he said, yeah, he said something about like Nas, right? Like that guy that just came in, what's up with him? He, and the cop said definitively, Oh, he he cut a girl in in um you know the Upper West Side or wherever it was, and John Turturro kind of like stopped and he was like, like kind of like allegedly you mean right? So it's kind of like like their mind was already made up, you know, like they were falling into that tunnel vision like mindset with Nas, and I feel like that could have been like an or Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but anyway, that's that's one point I wanted to make. Uh, another point is uh, about the show is what's the deal with his feet? <laughs> John Turturro's feet, uh, Jack Stone. He has what is it? Not eczema. He has uh, psoriasis, psoriasis, and um, it is like bad to the point that he can't wear like shoes and shit, and uh, he has to wear like sandals and. Whatever, if you guys see the show, you guys know what I'm talking about. So, here's what I think the deal is with with his feet. Because it's like, they show it a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, so, I think... Damn, my voice just sounded really loud. Just adjust the levels here. Um, Alright, so I think the, the whole thing with his feet is showing a parallel to what... And, what he's willing to do it, it's more it's more of like showing um something about his personality which can be attributed to um you could draw a parallel uh between what he's willing to do for his feet to what he's willing to do for Nas. and <laughs> i know it sounds it sounds weird but i think that you know you seem going to doctors and changing doctors and trying different doctors and doing unorthodox things like wrapping his feet in Crisco and Saran wrap and using UV lights and using different medicines and using steroids, even though it's killed his dick and fucking just 
trying anything and everything and then eventually going to like this asian doctor gives him some weird roots and powders and and stuff like that uh in chinatown and and which ultimately solves the the solves his psoriasis issue and um you know it shows how he's willing to do unorthodox things he's willing to do anything and everything to solve that problem of his feet and i feel like you can draw a parallel between that and how he's willing or his personality uh, leans towards being willing to do anything and everything to uh, get nods out of prison in the sense of he uh you know go like private investigator wise goes to speak to uh different people like uh, possible drug dealers and and uh, they uh, sold drugs to andrea and he speaks to fucking Vinny from doogie hauser and gives him his phone to to you know and 300 bucks under the table to go steal some files from where andrea went to rehab and uh you know he spies on on uh paul sparks his character andrea's stepfather and um at his gym and when he's eating and you know he goes uh you know he does unorthodox shit like that he fucking chases the Dwayne reed guy through uh like like buildings and shit like that looks like it's like in the heights or something and um you know just chasing motherfuckers through like back alleyways and stuff like that and and stuff like that lawyers don't do that right um this is like some private investigator cop type shit uh but he's willing to do stuff like that which again is is in my opinion um just a testament to his type of personality and you know that's you know it shows that like that's just that's what the whole thing is with his feet in my opinion um and what else all right so then something else that the show i believe is about is just showing it's not that the system is like inherently you know wrong and poison and and stuff like that but it's just how there's a, a bunch of different like layers to the parties involved within the justice system that that cause or can cause their to be hiccups and fuck-ups um there are uh several things like the shows also showing the levels of people involved in the system and it shows you like the juxtaposition blah, juxtapositions between um like a lot of different of the entities involved for example you have uh the high power attorney that comes in um that lady that that like that that comes in oh which real quick to testament of of what i was just saying about the point of uh jack stone and being willing to do unorthodox shit he also uh, for example like he's having the conversation with chandra the attorney that was assigned by that high power attorney that fucking exited stage left he's like telling her about drugs and stuff like that and what ketamine does and she's like how do you know all this because you know she's what we envision as an attorney you know by the book you know looking up case studies and like shit like that and precedents and blah 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 um and he's like in his head he's like because i'm a fucking attorney what do you do you know like what do you mean how do i know this like you're supposed to know this so they have like two different approaches to the same you know the same role um and that's that's uh why did i mention that um 
All right, so you have the ju- juxtaposition. Bruh, I can't say that fucking word. I sound like 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 a hick when I say it. Juxtaposition between uh, like the high power attorney, which is this lady, you know, glitz, glamour, fucking Park Avenue attorney or whatever the hell, uh, ver- versus that's willing to take this case, you know, pro bono for her. I don't know political reasons. I guess uh, is my guess. And, you know, doesn't give a fuck about nobody, you know, thinks she's the shit, you know, in the court in terms of, you know, speaking to the, to, um, the way she treats Nas and his, his family even, and, and the judge and, you know, she's, her shit don't stink type of uh, high power attorney versus, uh, Jack Stone. And she is like very well respected on TV and stuff like that, but nobody likes the bitch. Then you have Jack Stone, which is very much so disrespected by his peers and you know not respected in the sense of you know he's kind of sort of taken like as a joke but everybody likes him you know he's like ambulance chaser type of attorney um grinding you know working hard but with with you know prostitutes and drug addicts and stuff like that and and getting them to take plea deals and you know just just making shit work um but everybody likes him including the cops he deals with and and uh even the judge um that you know is happy for him when he when he gets the case and he's like right place right time and like all that so you it shows like that that juxtaposition between uh the attorneys and that kind of shows the spectrum of of people that you're dealing with within like that facet of the system right then you have um, a bunch of other like juxtapositions. I got I got a list here for you guys. You have hip hop versus classical in terms of music. So the I feel the soundtrack or 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 yeah, I guess you could say soundtrack is showing this um, difference or the spectrum as well through the music. So when you see some of like the cops, especially in the early episodes, some of the uh, uh of the cops like going to the the crime scene or taking nas to the precinct and stuff like that they're listening to hip-hop whereas when you see box um he's listening to classical music and shows kind of like that hierarchy between like the beat cops and the about to retire top-notch you know detective cop (laughs) then back to uh um the cops you have this top-notch cop box who is who is again well well respected by his peers but i get the sense that he's not necessarily liked he's kind of like a loner um he's about to retire nobody seems to give a fuck really they are kind of like going through the motions but like you know you know they do like that that retirement party for him at the end which seems like more out of like obligation or whatever nobody's really around him he's always by himself um cops kind of like look at him give him like that side eye like view and he i don't know he doesn't seem like he's well liked he's super well respected because he's good at what he does but he's not well liked in my opinion and then versus like the beat cops that you know they're bottom of the rung um uh have to do fucking double shifts and overtime and stuff like that and and they're you know just going through the motions of doing their job not that they're not doing it well, but you, it kind of shows um, 
the strain put on like that level of of police and uh that's interesting um like juxtaposition there and also shows how um again especially like in the earlier like episode like one two three how there's this cool i forget by who but that everybody like in terms of work like if you break something down to to you know it's just a job type of thing um everyone's doing things that their boss wants done faster because their boss wants it done faster because their boss wants it done faster because their boss wants it done faster you know what i mean like there's not a lot of times there's not um i guess there has to be but a lot of times it's not actually because i see this shit in my job like all the time like there's not necessarily a reason other than the boss wants it done faster that drives why something is being done and if you break down um you could break down uh, certain types of police work to this so you have like the two cops um that pick up nas one of them that just wants to fucking go home the chick and you know she's tired she just worked the double she's just trying to get out of the office basically right and and you know do we have to do the reports today and then her sergeant says that she does and stuff like that then the her partner which is worried about you know that in the report you know they're they're typing it fast they're trying to get out of the office and and in the report um he's he's hung up on the fact that you know he mentions that he threw up and then the guys in the office are gonna make fun of him type of shit you know what i mean and they're you know just going through the motions doing their job not that they're doing it necessarily badly but there's other elements that come into play than this 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 altruistic type of uh is that even the right word yeah altruistic type of mentality that we have on cops that are like doing things for justice and doing things right and by the book at all costs no matter what like sometimes there's other shit at play not sometimes probably a lot of the time all the time you know it's human shit that comes into the mix regardless of what we do um all right so whenever those points then you have this good boy looking like a deer caught in the headlights quote-unquote good boy going into prison versus my boy omar from the wire shout out to michael k williams dope actor and um it shows like that difference of prisoner i guess if you will so someone that doesn't know what the fuck he's doing or what he's gotten into and then someone that has a very good grasp on the prison system how to manipulate it and who's running shit within the prison um my boy chalky white and that's interesting uh dynamic there then we see how the the someone that gets thrown into the system wrongfully or rightly gets corrupted by it as well like the show is showing that also because fucking my boy Nas over here thinks he's he's uh in blood in blood out or some shit um <laughs> running things in the prison now and just gets caught up in it which is i don't know where the fuck they're going with that that's the that's the that's the thread within the story i, I guess if they're just showing how the system a corrupted system corrupts ultimately like type of thing like that type of mentality because motherfuckers getting tattoos on his hands fucking doing crack or whatever the fuck he, he's smoking and just getting involved in fucking murders and you know it like nuts like i think they're doing a little bit with that but um 
it does definitely make the point of, you know, a corrupt system ultimately corrupts people uh, or a corrupt environment, you know, even someone that's a quote-unquote good boy. All right, then you have the juxtaposition between Nas and the victim here, Andrea, right? You have a blue-collar, hard-working immigrant family versus a, a affluent white girl that has everything. You know, his father... Nas's father has you know, shares a cab with three, three with two other guys. It's three of them. They work hard. They, you know, get good grades in school. The kids and you know, um, have family dinners together and stuff like that. Then you have on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, an affluent white girl, Upper West Side, lives in a fucking brownstone by herself. That her mother left her, and just she's a wreck. She, you know, she pretty much doing everything wrong in terms of the little that we get to know her in terms of uh, being in and out of rehab at such a young age having a bunch of different boyfriends according to her stepfather doing drugs and and just has a fucking multi-million dollar brownstone and you know six million dollars in the bank as we as we come to to find uh that her mother left her and or 12 million because the stepfather wants half of it or some shit like that um and so you have like that uh juxtaposition right so the shit's full of different people within the same facet but from different walks of life like opposite sides of the spectrum the good boy versus don in prison the white affluent girl versus versus hard-working immigrant kid high power attorney versus uh low-level attorney which by the way the credits the opening credits kind of show that by putting uh, John Turturro's name at the bottom of the staircase as opposed to like at the top of the staircase supposedly they're trying to tell the story within the different pictures that they show in the in the opening credits um it's uh like telling the story through photography or something like that I read an article about that that was kind of interesting some of the things make sense some of them didn't uh what else alright so I spoke about the cop and yeah that's pretty much it let me know what you guys think about that, about my my take on what the show is about, which, again, is ultimately how fucked up the, the justice system can be. And then just the like the different layers that I see in terms of the different people involved and the spectrum of people within it and how that spectrum can cause the type of gridlock that we see with things just, like, not working the way they should. Um... And it's just life, right? Like any any anything anything that you're in or into or whatever that's like a spectrum of things. Like I always see things in terms of a spectrum. I don't know. Like that's like my my thing, my go to thing. Like some people love stuff, some people hate things, and then it's everybody in between. Some people are good at things, bad at things, and everybody in between. It seems kinda obvious, but I don't know, I just think they're showing it interestingly by putting them putting those characters, like types of characters side by side. Uh, throughout the series and like all these different like scenes and 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 categories and stuff like that it's pretty pretty cool uh it's a great show very slow pace uh very dark very gritty um and it's definitely my type of thing so check it out if you guys haven't it's on hbo it's called the night of speaking of shows and um I want to read you guys the excerpt that I said I was going to read to you from Stephen Pressfield's book that I finished reading. And I read you guys an excerpt last time. This is just a cool, a cool 
thing. The main reason why I like uh, Stephen Pressfield's work is because he kind of like demystifies shit for me, um, based on like my interpretation of stuff. He he breaks things down uh, not just from his own experience, or obviously based on his experience, but he breaks things down in a way that makes sense to me and help me with my writing personally. And this book definitely helped in that respect. Um, and like decoding writing, if you will, and like demystifying certain things, like maybe certain ideas that you have of Hollywood and, and stuff like that. And obviously everybody has their own story. Um, and you take everybody's everything with a grain of salt, at least I do. But um, these are by all accounts, you know, true accounts of like his life and shit that he went through that can help you. And some things, you know, they can't, obviously, you know, everything can't help um but i just like his approach and the way he he breaks things down it resonates with me and it makes sense to me so i wanted to share something uh, regarding one of the greatest shows of all time uh breaking bad that he has uh within his book that he used as an example of plot um of explaining plot and explaining uh, writing in a sense, like de- like decoding and demystifying it. That's what I mean by it. Like he explains, um, like the plot of Breaking Bad, basically. Which, uh, if you've seen the show, you know it. But the way he lays it out here, I think is pretty dope. And um, especially as a as a striving writer, it's important to to I think s- look behind the curtain of things like this, and and because that helps you create things like from the ground up. You know what I mean? It's not just some, uh, I guess like when I started, it was, I felt like it was more of a, like less of a science to writing, you know, there's definitely like an art to it, but there's like a a science aspect to it in terms of certain structural things and act one, act two, act three, uh, inciting incident, climax, uh, paying off, uh, loose ends, creating controversy, like that type of stuff. That's like the science to it. Then the actual, like story arc of characters that they have to go through and stuff like that that's all like the science to writing but then you have the the like story ideas which is where you weave the art through the science of it that creates ultimately like great content in my opinion so anyway this is um uh something i'm going to read to you guys from stephen pressfield's latest book nobody wants to read your shit subtitled and here's what to do about it all right so he says so he's speaking about breaking bad and and kind of tells you a bit about like what it's about right so i'll read like that paragraph which is the one before that i really wanted to to get into so to provide for his family after his death he decides to start cooking methamphetamine he teams up with a former student sells his first batch and along the way kills two competing criminals Wow, how did Vince Gilligan, the show's creator, make all this stuff cohere? And how did he keep it together for six superb seasons? The answer is in one scene in the pilot. The scene takes place in Walter White's high school chemistry class. He asks the kids, what is chemistry about? Several students offer lame answers. Then our hero, played brilliantly by Brian Cranston answers the question himself. Walter White says, change. Chemistry is the study of change. Elements combine and change into compounds. 
that's all of life, right? Solution, dissolution. Growth, decay. Transformation. It's fascinating, really. That speech is not there by accident. It is Vince Gilligan's statement of the theme. What is the show about is the problem, and the solution is transformation. From this point in the series, from the pilot to the final season, every episode and every scene will be about transformation. When the writers become lost and feel their control over their material slipping away, they will return to this touchstone. Quote, make this moment about transformation. End quote. And no one, of course, will transform more than our protagonist, mild-mannered Walter White. And that's it. I thought that was such a dope breakdown of it and pointing out that, like, nod to the theme and to the plot of the story um, from within that that uh, pilot episode. Um, that was that was uh, pretty genius, in my opinion, and pretty dope. And if you guys haven't seen Breaking Bad, kill yourself. But definitely watch it because it's, in my opinion, like top two episode of all time. Very, very close second to The Wire. And that was what I wanted to share on that. Let me know what you guys think. This episode's going kind of long. All right. So uh, writing communities. Shout out to... First off, to Josh uh, Robertson, which in the last episode he f- filled out, he was featured in the last episode of the Spun Today podcast because he filled out the questionnaire, which is located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire, which is available to any and all writers or creatives. And I read your responses on the podcast. And um, he mentioned joining writing communities, which is something that I've read about in the past. It's not really something that I gravitated towards. I decided to, to give it a shot. Um, and I found, uh, what was interesting is that I sometimes, I don't know, thing, things happen like for a reason, I guess sometimes, but, um, or it's just purely coincidental. I'm, I'm just looking too much into it, <laughs> but, um, uh, after like airing that episode and, and, and his advice to join like writing communities and just to be around, which makes sense, you know, be around writers if you want to be a writer type of thing. And uh, online writing communities are a good way to do that, especially since most writers are like introverts and, you know, aren't, um, you know, they have like seminars and like stuff like that and stuff and shit, but I'm not into that type of thing yet. uh, Maybe it's something I would look into in the future, but not against it's just not my thing, right? Not my personality. Anyway, online uh, communities are a good balance to that in that sense that they're online. And I, uh, Shortly after airing that episode, I received an email from a newsletter. I think it's Cam Wyland's uh, writing newsletter that, that I subscribe to. And it had, it literally had a list of top 10 writing communities and a synopsis of each one. Like this one is for writers of science fiction and uh, the age group is normally between this and this, or although they're accepting to blah, blah, blah. And, um, like it broke down like the top writing communities and I read through that. I found one that resonated with me and decided to join it. It's called the uh, figment.com. Well, all the shit is free by the way. Um, for anybody out there listening, it's called figment.com F I G M E N T 
www.thepodcastmanifestingmindset.com. I'll link to that in the episode notes as well. And let me just jot that down. Figment.com. Link to it. All right. Um, and it's pretty cool. There's a bunch of different um, writers on there, obviously, right? That's what it is, a writing community. But a lot of people, again... Uh, in the full spectrum of writing people that write poems that are just starting people that you know they post their work on there people comment um give advice um um and uh it's pretty cool if you you know why not be around that i I signed up had a couple interactions like literally by like the next day which is which was kind of cool and you know you link back to your own website on there uh which obviously helps you from a from a what's it called um sla what is it uh i forget what the acronym is but from the internet marketing perspective quote unquote uh it helps to get hits on your website to have different websites linking back to your website um but it's just it's about exposure right you want as a writer or as a creator you want people to read your shit ultimately that's your goal and this is a way to do that while at the same time getting better at what you do by taking constructive criticism from other people and uh, just putting more content out there. And that's pretty cool. And actually, there's a another, I guess it's a writing community, but it's like more than that. It's not like limited to writing uh, that I joined a long time ago where I've, where I've put all my short stories on. It's called uh, hitrecord.org and it's actually it's like a it's a production company of joseph gordon levitt the actor he started this online thing where you can submit anything basically writing um uh, short stories uh videos short films like anything that you create as a creator you submit it there completely for free and it's meant to be uh, the type of community where you as someone who who is like in that community you can take one short story and combine it with yours or take a film or take a short story and create it you know there's people on there that are like aspiring directors and 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 producers and like whatever from all different types of facets of 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 content creators and ultimately it there's like three stages of it you know people submit stuff and you know you have your own little setup of whatever it is that you submit then you have like the second stage of of people taking ideas from different people or borrowing ideas from different people or joining ideas together and uh, then a final uh stage of actually creating something so uh if that happens then it goes to like the hit record store where um anything that is made with your with your content uh, you get a piece of the pie or whatever, right? Like it's divided up amongst like everyone involved. So if one of my short stories, somebody reads it and decide a director reads it and wants to like put it together and make it actually be something, make a short film and submit it somewhere. And if it ever makes any money or gets any exposure or whatever, then I'm like tied to it. So that's like the idea behind that. So I guess that's kind of like a writing community, um, which uh, I've been signed on to that for like a long time, but it's pretty cool. Uh, what he's doing there so check those out if you guys are uh into writing or anything like that figment.com and hit record.org 
And the last two things, so I can wrap this thing up. Is one, a book review getting tip. Uh, like I mentioned that I was going to speak about. So something that I got from, I believe, uh, almost positive. It's uh, from Joanna Penn's uh, Creative Pen Podcast uh, that I mentioned many times before. There was someone on there that mentioned getting, they mentioned something. I don't remember if it was this exactly, but it sparked the idea for me to go into Amazon and then ultimately into Goodreads to do the same type of thing and read the reviews of, oh yeah, it, I remember now. It was in Amazon and it was to read reviews of books that are like similar to yours and um, reach out to the people that write the reviews. So if you go on Amazon, you know, look up any book or anything that has a review basically. And, you know, you can read the comments and stuff like that. You can click on the name of the person that wrote a, a particular review and not often on Amazon, but every, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 people, um, they have their email address on there. So they, cause you have the option to make your email public or, or not on Amazon. And, um, those, so the tactic pretty much is, uh, read a review for a book that is similar to yours that someone has reviewed and look up their email address that way. And, um, uh, reach out to them, send them an email and say, Hey, I wrote a book. It's within the same vein and I'll send it over to you for free. And, um, you know, if you want to write a review on it, great. If you don't definitely understandable, thank you for your time, blah, blah, blah. So I started doing that and, uh, have been doing it more so on Goodreads because Goodreads, instead of like every 10, 15, 20 people having, having their email address posted, people who review books on Amazon normally review books on Goodreads as well. And, uh, probably even more so Goodreads, they, you know, Goodreads allows you to write people messages and stuff like that through, uh, the Goodreads like system, you know, you don't need someone's personal email address or anything like that. So anybody who's written a review the same, same exact way, click on their profile. Um, most of them, I would say like six, seven, eight out of 10, um, allow you to message them because you could, again, that's an option that you can turn on and off. And I've been reaching out to people on, from both sites, from both Amazon and, and Goodreads, but again, mainly Goodreads because it's more, uh, readily available and, uh, have been having some success. It's a very, 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 very slow, slow return, I guess, on investment, but it's something that you, that you could clearly see, um, build, will build up. So I've gotten a, a few reviews from there. I think two or three reviews so far. And it's like, I don't know, maybe like a, a five to 10% return. So you reach out to 10 people, you might get a response from two. And one of them might say, you know, go fuck yourself, not interested, but in a nicer way. Or they'll say, um, yeah, sure. Send me, send me your book and here's my email address. And um, that one might translate into review. It might not. And, um, but it's, it's something that doesn't take a long time to do. I, I, um, I do a few a day, you know, five, six a day, every other day type of thing. And, and it's, it's shown some success. I OD'd at first though. I, I was sending like 20 a day and, 
uh, like Goodreads send me a message like for a solicitation or some shit like that. So tone it down a little bit. <laughs> don't get don't get crazy. It's a it's a long game, right? Like everything else in writing. Now, very very quickly, the last thing that I want to mention is on uh, gun control because I gotta get the fuck out of here. Um, still gotta go shower and get ready and go to work. The it's just a thought. And uh, I haven't thought deeply. I haven't thought deeply about it, um, and I haven't researched about it to to see if something like this already exists or if my thought process is even right. But just a thought. Um, you know how with and this is about gun control uh, reform, which seems to be like uh, like something that's like gridlock that's like not going anywhere. Which is not a good thing because fucked up shit is happening around the fact that it's not going anywhere. You know how, how, uh, like to raise the debt ceiling and for certain financial, financial related laws like Dodd Frank and stuff like that. Like those things have like an expiration date. Um, like you have to renew the debt ceiling like every year. Remember that thing, that whole thing a few years back, or maybe every couple years. Congress has to vote on, you know, renewing it and raising the debt ceiling and stuff like that. And it's something that they always do, but they made a big deal about it when Obama was president saying, no, we can't do it anymore. Like that type of shit to try to like fuck them over, even though it's, it was done like every year before that. Um, uh, so I feel like for financial things, and I could be wrong about this again, it's just a thought. I feel that for financial things, there's like, like an expiration date or a limit. But then when it comes to things like uh, gun control reform, like they, they, uh, politicians or the powers that be, if you will, um, want to make it like an absolute type of thing. And I was thinking, you know, since there's so much, uh, so many valid arguments on both sides in terms of, of, uh, like the dynamics between, you know, guns in inner cities versus guns in the Midwest and, and people that grew up just hunting and as part of their culture and heritage and stuff like that versus people that are using it to rob and steal and kill people. Um, there's a, a large spectrum there. And like to close that gap, to clo- to, to have some sort of, of, of uh, compromise within that, that spectrum seems very unlikely. And, you know, given those like polarizing views. So, why not approach gun control? And I don't know if anyone has, again, has like tried or anything like that, but why not approach it with the sense of, or with the idea of an expiration date? You know, why, why not make it to make, to make it absolute on either side? Like you guys have to do this or no, you guys have to do that. Um, again, seems unlikely. So why not find the comp compromise that would work, but do it with that type of mentality of, all right, we want to do this and this and that, um, you know, give and take from both sides, but we're going to put a expiration date on it, a limit on it where, you know, we're not going to change it permanently forever. Um, cause that's what everybody seems to be so up in arms about, but we are going to change it, you know, until for the next two years and then reevaluate based on statistics and murder rates and like all the fucked up shit that we're trying to avoid based on that. And then tweak it accordingly and revote on it. Or if not, it goes back to, where it is now but at least we fucking tried something for like a year or two to see if it works to see if it helps um you know why not approach it that way i think people would be more more willing in my opinion you know a logical reasonable person might be more more willing to 
to compromise in that sense if they know it's not like a, a permanent thing i think people have an issue with with permanence and and um yeah that's it that's 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 my thought on uh, gun control my unresearched ill-advised thought on gun control so anyway that's the episode folks for the week i gotta get the fuck out of here and get ready for work and uh thank you guys very much for listening i'll record the outro later peace what's up folks i'm back and this is the outro portion of the podcast which is pretty much the commercial side of it right the how to support me and the podcast if you choose to so if you're not into any of that stuff thanks for listening and uh, check out the next episode in a couple weeks uh but one last point that that something i was thinking about throughout the day that i forgot to mention is that in regards to the like the wrongful convictions and like stuff like that a big takeaway for me was listening to to a bunch of these different accounts is that uh, like i said before of course the system gets things right uh more so than not but as one of the exonerees said which was the subject of the very first episode first and second episode because this one was split into part one and part two uh, his name is greg taylor he stated and it resonated with me that uh of course the system gets it right more than not but when it doesn't not to sweep shit under the rug and to try to figure out what exactly went wrong and how to prevent it in the future and just from like an outside looking in view like in his case for example there was uh a quote-unquote not quote-unquote there was a a um he got arrested because he was driving uh, along some road his car him and and in front of his his car got stuck uh like on the street and it like in the mud or something somewhere in north carolina and they they parked they couldn't get it out and they were drinking they were out like partying and stuff like that so they decided that that's you know a sign let's not drive anymore and let's just like walk to a payphone and they wound up like hitchhiking along the way or whatever and uh some lady picked them up and took them to and they went out i think with her and kept hanging out and and um um when he came back the next day to his car he sees that uh there's cops like on like a block away or something like that or two blocks away and it's taped off and he can't get to like where his car is and you know he asks one of the officers the officers you know direct him to the to the uh uh detective that's working the case and naturally he's a suspect you know from the cop's point of view um uh because by the way spoiler alert there was uh, a woman that was like dead and and left like on the side of the road um like a block or two away from from where his car was so that whole area was blocked off and naturally he's a a suspect just because his car's there you know what i mean and uh long story short they they like interrogate him didn't find anything on him they um didn't find any dna of the lady anywhere like near the car or anything like that or or his dna on her or anything like that like nothing aside from the fact that his car's there but he did get arrested and during questioning him and his friend both got arrested and um long story short you got to listen to it for like all the 
the nuance and the details of everything his uh there was a jailhouse informant that uh is exactly what it sounds like someone from the prison that uh informs the the police that he has information on on the case or or whatever and um they're incentivized informants um these inform jailhouse informants can reduce their own personal sentences for giving information on on other convicts so this guy that he's never even met in in prison and uh he says he doesn't even remember ever even speaking with tells tells the cops that um that you know this guy that just got locked up here just confessed to everything and told me that he did murder some girl because this guy was like seeing it like on the news like on the tv and stuff and um with that testimony they this guy wound up being locked up i think it was like 22 years or something like six shit like that or 17 years and just like from the outside looking in uh, if you're going by like a jailhouse informant if that's like your only thing to go by like it's one thing if it's like some like that along with some other stuff like you know kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing or the cherry on top of everything but if that's your thing to go by uh you know a jail, uh, it's that shouldn't be a thing like why is that a thing why is it if it's a uh, information period that's one thing but it's incentivized so of course motherfuckers in jail are always you know you're gonna lie it's like oh i can make up a story about that guy and get 10 years reduced from my sentence sure let me make some shit up let me give it a shot what do i have to lose <laughs> you know what i mean like of course that's so ridiculous like that has absolutely no no like positive function you can have the same shit like if somebody wants to like snitch and and give information on another inmate or something like that but don't make it incentivized don't make it so that they willingly like make shit up you know what i mean like you're you're all you're creating a situation where that behavior is accepted and that's some fucked up shit that's something that shouldn't be so like stuff like that don't try to like like when something like this comes to light it's like frustrating because it's 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 like yeah it's a it's a black eye on the eye of the system or or however you want to view it but that's part of it you know what i mean that's how you fix shit you gotta highlight the wrongs and the fucked up things and 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 try to fix it you know what i mean though you you only know of things that are wrong and and um things that need attention and need to be fixed if you if you notice them and highlight them and 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 shine a light on them you know what i mean not by sweeping shit under the rug then you continue to have situations like that <sighs> anyway i just want to make that point and again there's links in the episode notes to the innocence pod um uh podcast the podcast page uh the episode that i recommend that you guys listen to if if you're into this type of shit is uh episodes one and two with uh greg taylor i believe his name is taylor greggs and that is pretty much it on that folks let me do some housekeeping here and i will let you all go so first off the midday monday boost letter would you like to receive a short email from me once a week on mondays when you're bored at work don't have shit to do you're hating your life because it's monday you could receive a very short but uplifting motivational entertaining 
email from me once a week on Mondays at noon. That includes a photo of the week, because I'm into photography, a video of the week, which could be anything um, from a comedy skit or a battle rap or just a, a TED talk, like anything, that uh, video that resonated with me, a podcast of the week, a quote of the week, and a word of the week. Check it out. If you want to subscribe, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe. For any writers or creatives out there that are interested in being featured on the Spun Today podcast, as some writers have in the past, you can check out my five-question questionnaire. It's at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And it's five questions, open-ended questions that you can fill out related to your craft. Uh, check out the questions so you can know what they are. And uh, I pretty much read them and share them uh, with the listeners of the podcast. And I learn things from them. Other people do as well, I'm sure. And it's a cool way to spread tips and inspiration and motivation and, and just cool things of, about you and what you're up to. And you can remain anonymous if you choose to. And if not, I'll definitely give you a shout out for filling that out. The five questions are um, open-ended questions. Your responses and answers to them can be as long or as short as you would like them to be. Check out the photography on my website, which is available to everyone and anyone for free. Um, you can download the uh, like digital copies of them and save them. And that's located at sponsor.com forward slash photography. And if you happen to actually want prints of any of that stuff that, you know, comes like in a poster or in a frame, you can go to created.com, C-R-A-T-E-D.com forward slash spun today and uh, get prints of any of the ones that you want. Support the podcast financially by going to the affiliate links page on my website at sponsorate.com and you there will find uh, banners to Amazon or iTunes and uh, by clicking through either of those banners, it'll go to the, the respective websites where you do your shopping like normal. And Amazon or iTunes gives me a kickback just for driving traffic towards their website based on the purchases that you make. And it does not raise the price on any of the purchases that you do make. And if you listen to podcasts, you know the drill when it comes to that stuff. On that page, you'll also find a link to the created website that I mentioned earlier with the photography and stuff like that that you can get prints from. And you can also find a link to the viral style page uh spun today page where you can get a couple of podcast t-shirts or uh, coffee mugs that are available there so check that out if you guys want to support another way to support financially if you choose to is to uh check out the patreon page uh p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash spun today that's uh website that the way it works it's it's pretty much like a like a gofundme style type of donation website page type of thing and the way it works specifically is that you can choose to pledge any uh denomination that you would like uh of any amount uh through that website per episode of the sponsored podcast so i normally put out two episodes a month you know every two weeks 
and the you know you can choose to pledge 50 cents per episode or something like that so it'll cost you a dollar a month or you know you can start cancel whenever you want um don't you bank check that out i'd really appreciate it and what i would appreciate more than anything is if you guys that do listen to the podcast if you're enjoying it if you like it uh rate it review it go to itunes stitcher pocket casts uh google play or any of your favorite podcatchers that this one today podcast is featured on and uh, show some love give a, a rating and a review for the podcast also check out the sponsored youtube page uh, which the easiest way to get to it is to go to my website and just click on any of the uh, youtube icons that are located at like the, the footnote section of the page of the website and it'll take you to my youtube page hit me up and follow me on social media at spun today on instagram and on twitter check out and like the facebook fan page facebook.com forward slash spun today lastly the book that i told you guys about earlier my first book self-published book uh that i'm getting uh like requesting reviews on and stuff like that that i told you guys about is available on amazon if you guys want a uh paperback copy uh, if you want uh the ebook version that is available pretty much wherever ebooks are sold you can find it on iBooks, you can find it on Kindle, you can find it on uh, Kobo, Smashwords, and all that good stuff. Um, if you want to know more about the book, uh, you can check out the landing page for it on my website, spontane.com forward slash books. There you have a few audio excerpts, uh, like an audiobook uh, format, and um, also a synopsis of what the book is about. A video of me explaining uh, how it came to be and what it's about, and also an option at the bottom of the page if you want a free copy, uh, PDF copy of it. I will shoot you one over. Uh, just drop your email address in there, and I'll get one right over to you. All I ask if you go that route is to rate and review it on Amazon and/or Goodreads. That would be greatly appreciated as well. And that's pretty much it, folks. As always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>